The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. All right. Welcome to Pile of Scrap. I have Robin Wiener, president of the Institute of Scrap Recycling Industries. And from now on, it's going to be called ISRI in this podcast. That sounds great. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. I'm excited to be talking to you. Are you scared? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you shouldn't be. We've known each other. That's true. All right. So so everybody who's going to watch this podcast knows I was chairman of ISRI 2011-2012. And you were what would you call the ISRI wife? What, what, what was that? Yes. I was your, your girl, Israel girlfriend, or your second wife. Yes. You know, I, I always, the funnest part about when you become chair, you, you don't really know what you're doing the first year, and then by the second year, you catch on, and the next year, you know, you're done. How's Brian doing? He's Brian's about done. Brian's doing great. He really is. It's been such a pleasure to work with him. I, I really love working with Brian. Yeah. Brian Shine, for those uh, who's the current chairman of Israel, and uh, a good friend of mine, he's been on a podcast, a pile of scrap, right. so... Uh, but his term's coming up. Can you believe uh-huh. how fast that went? It, it's just unbelievable. It flies by. As a matter of fact, we've talked on and off about maybe changing the terms to three-year terms. Nah. Uh, two years no. is good. because two years is dumb. I, I like two years because really it's, it's when you start thinking of all the years you're in and, right. and out, two years because it, the movement, and, and, and I, it doesn't burn you out. When it leaves you wanting more, right. I think that's the best way to leave something. But right. when you are tired and you want to get out, right. that's I think that would be a negative impact. Just my opinion. I, I, I see that. But it is, it's so hard, actually, when um, I lose my chair every, every two years. And obviously, I love when the new one comes in. But um, it's, it's really hard because we've been speaking every day. Yeah. We've been getting so close that all of a sudden, you're gone. Um, so that's well, been really hard. But that's good. Yeah. Change. Change is Change good. Change is good. Change is very good. So you, you're... You're good with change because in you, in your position, president, there's a lot of change always going on yes, with the people of right. the Trade Association of Israel, and there's a lot of change in Washington D.C. Huge change. Okay, so let's let, let's 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 segue into the change in the agencies right. in in D.C. Now, you we we've been working with so many agencies over right. the years. Right. What's today's climate like? You know, it's hard to characterize it in one word, but I'll say that um, you have to remember that you have essentially two levels of workers in the agency. You have those that are the professional staff that are there all the time. They're there whether it's a Republican administration, it's a Democratic administration. They are experts in their field, and the good thing about Israel, one of the, uh, I think the strengths of Israel is that we've developed relationships, long-standing relationships within each of these agencies with those uh, career professionals. And do they help you get to the higher-ups? Absolutely. So they carry the message because of the... the the relationships that they've and built the over there. And the understanding of the industry. Now, are we always successful getting to the top? That varies um, by agency, by uh, term, et cetera. But we're, pre- we're pretty good at it. So the EPA is an agency, you know, the Environmental Protection Agency. So recycling, the environment is a huge importance to all Americans. Correct. Everybody, you know, there isn't anybody who doesn't care about the environment. Absolutely. So you, you made a comment as we were talking and setting up about what the EPA looks forward to. Tell us about that, the booklet that you, that they. Oh, yes. Um, it's interesting. About six years ago, Isri started publishing an annual yearbook 
with data on not just the volumes of material handled, but also jobs in the industry, economic impact, et cetera. And uh, about two years ago, I was invited to address the heads, the regional heads of the RECRA program at EPA headquarters. And I sit down, and the first thing that's said to me is the, one of the assistant administrators next to me, and he sees that I have the yearbook, the latest yearbook in front of me. He says, I love that. That's on my shelf. I look forward to it every year. That's my source of information about the recycling industry. That's a huge success for ISRI, but most importantly, it's a huge value to the members because it means that truly the agency and those policymakers that are regulating the industry and affecting the direction and the cost of the industry, they're looking to ISRI as the primary source of information. I'm going to say to you then, the success of that booklet at EPA that gets our message out that they look forward to right. also needs to be on ISRI social media, blasting it, and for our members to see it and the platform. I think that's fantastic. See, people don't get, members, people, our members don't get how hard it is, A, just to get the attention of these agencies. And then right. you do, and then you get somebody who makes that comment. Right. That's a huge win. Right. And that's a win that no individual company can even begin to get. Right. And as a trade association, as we fight for our members, that's amazing. So right. they look for our jobs. So let's talk about jobs. What does the latest data tell us about the recycling industry and its economic effect on uh, the U.S. economy? Well, the most important thing to understand about the industry is that we're the first link in the global manufacturing supply chain. And that is backed up by the economic footprint of the industry, which we're, um, the economics of the industry is that we are valued about $110 billion annually. There are 164,000 Americans employed full-time directly by the industry. And then if you look at indirect impacts, so the suppliers that rely on the industry and all the induced impacts, it's actually about another 350,000 jobs in the industry. And these are good paying jobs. Those 164,000 jobs, the average wage is 70, more than $70,000 annually. And it also generates significant um, tax benefits to federal government and to state and local governments. We estimate about more than $13 billion of taxes are contributed by the industry to governments throughout the country. Our footprint, this, this trade association with that information that we get, that, that's, that's fantastic information. And I think that our members, again, you tell me something, and I want members who listen to this. Because, right. you know, people who listen to this podcast aren't necessarily the owners. There, right. there are a lot of people, ops managers, head of safety, head of right. HR, listening to this podcast. And they need to get that information because every po politics are local, and everybody has to deal on the local level. And they Absolutely. need to tell them about our economic Absolutely. footprint, don't they? Absolutely. And there's two things I'd share about that. First of all, that's all on our website. And every ISRI member and every employee within ISRI member companies on our website is a map. And it shows the high-level numbers that I just shared with you. But then you can click on to any state, and it will give you that data down on the state level. You can get it on the congressional district level. You can even get it on the city level. We also have that information by commodity. So all of that information is available to every individual. But the other thing, I think the most important thing that I want your viewers to know, um, and especially those ISRI members out there, is that we work for you. And we work not just for the owner of the company, but all the individual employees as well. 
And one of the biggest values of Israel are the staff that are here in the office, the experts that are here, and they're accessible to every employee. Pick up the phone and call us. I, I think that's a great message. You know, encourage you. Look, all the people, look, I've, I've had messages from ops managers who, who've sent me a message about the podcast. Look, if you have a question about something that, and you're an Israel member, reach out to staff. Right. It's not unaccessible and I, I think people need to know that so well, and can I tell you a little yeah. story about that actually sure. go ahead. Um, I've been in this position for about 20 years but before that that long I know really I was 12 when I started <laughs> um, when before you got the job at recess didn't exactly, you exactly <laughs> exactly um, and then I was allowed to stay on graduate okay. <laughs> um, but before that um, I was doing environmental compliance here for about eight years and one of the things I used to tell members when I was on the road, and this is also going to date me, that um, I was the shell answer man for the industry. Uh, again, that is going to date me. <laughs> yes. Shell answer man. Yeah. Wow. But you've got a question, um, just pick up the phone. Call any employee, any staff person at Israel, and we're there to answer the very specific questions you have. And if you don't know who to call, call me. Um, or send me a message, send me a, a text, send me a, an email, and Your I'll get to Your phone's going to blow up, Robin. That, I look forward to that. Okay. That's great. So commodities. Let, let's, let, let's segue into commodities. Sure. And, and tons being recycled. Look, steel mills, uh, let's go with steel mills first. Right. Without scrap metal from manufacturing companies Correct. and the processing through our members, steel mills would have trouble. They, they need scrap. Absolutely. Electric art furnaces use scrap. Right. How many tons a year of scrap iron, copper, and aluminum? Do you, do you have a, a number? Do you know? We do. More than 70 million tons of ferrous scrap are recycled here in the U.S. each and every year. And that's out of a total volume of scrap commodities of about 138 million tons annually. Of all commodities, 138? So that's paper, Correct. plastic, electronics, everything. tires, and everything. Everything. And it's, what's interesting to me um, is that that number has grown over time. This is a growing industry. It's not a static industry. No, the, the recycling content, more products have more recycled content, more and more and more. And there's investments in processing and in and industrial consuming that's going on here in the U.S. More material is being consumed here in the U.S. Okay, let's talk about consumption of, of recycled materials that sure. are, uh, that manufacturers um, their commodity is scrap copper, aluminum, steel. There, there's paper from printers and all the different areas where we get the recycled material from, from blue bins that come right. through MRFs. And these, these commodities and, and, and the consumption of it. Is America investing in new consumers, new paper mills, new plastic mills, new steel mills? Absolutely. There's definitely investment being made we're seeing it, especially in the paper area. There are a number of greenfield operations that are starting up as well as- What's a greenfield? A, a, a new mills being okay. built as well as uh, there's also mills that have been shut down that are coming back online. So we do anticipate that will grow uh, the demand for the material even more. We're also seeing, we're seeing it, believe it or not, in plastics. We're seeing it in other commodities as well. So, but does there need to be more? Absolutely. And so that's why we're looking at tax incentives on the Hill. So, so let, let's talk about that. There needs to be more. Yes. Who can provide, I mean, why aren't there more, being, more mills, more steel mills, more, is it because they don't have a demand for their product or it's just too expensive or is it 
maybe not enough incentives that they're getting? There isn't one answer okay. to that question, um, but there's a number of different factors. It, as you know, better than, better than I know, uh, recycling is demand-driven. It's a demand-driven industry. So you need the market demand. And what we need to do, and one of Israel's focuses actually uh, these last few years, has been working to increase the demand. And as demand grows, there'll be even more investment. Uh, so we're working with manufacturers on, uh, on mechanisms to create more incentives for them to use more recycled content. Design for recycling. Design for recycling. Now, ISRI has, we, each year at our national convention, right. this year in Las Vegas, right. we give, well, this year it's in Vegas, last year it's Los Angeles, so it moves around. But at our convention, we give an award for the design for recycling. Tell us about that award and, and what are we looking for when we give that award? Sure. Well, ISRI's design for recycling program actually goes back since before I started at ISRI 30 years ago. Um, but each year we try to recognize a manufacturer that has truly integrated the principles of design for recycling, that they are making, they are producing a manufactured good that's much more easily recyclable, doesn't have harmful substances in it. Uh, and so for example, this year, this past year, we recognized Nestle Waters for the 100% recycled PET uh, plastic bottle that uh, they're now producing that also uses a pressure sensitive label so that um, that the label is easily separated from the plastic and makes it easier to recycle. The year before we recognized Dell. We recognized them for one of their laptops that actually they removed harmful substances from like mercury. They also um, use a removable battery now. They made, they are now utilizing standardized fasteners. All elements that help ensure that that product will be recycled at the end of its useful life. All right. That just spurred a thought. We have a lot of new electric cars coming out on the market. We do. Cell phones, lithium-ion batteries. We have these great products that reduce the usage of energy, right? And it's clean. But have we found the way to recycle this stuff yet? Not all what, of it. Okay. Where... Where's that going to happen? Where's that investment? Who is going to, what is, what are your concerns about that? There's a lot of questions there. I know <laughs> there try, is, but we, 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 you know, start right. with the electric car. Talk, okay. talk, let's well, first of all, we're seeing, you talked at the very beginning of this interview about change and you were talking in terms of change of staffing and personnel and, and, and volunteers, but we're at a really interesting time in this industry. There's tremendous change in terms of that product stream that's going, that's entering into the stream and the challenges that we're facing. And one of the huge transformations is, you know, we have an electronics division for electronic scrap. Well, the truth is that almost every product we handle now is an electronic device. Your car yeah. is an electronic device. A Tesla is a doggone computer. Exactly, and so that raises a whole host of new issues for us as an industry in terms of how we process it. Um, the lithium-ion batteries, both the large um, lithium-ion batteries that are showing up in electric vehicles, as well as the smaller batteries that are showing up in toys and a lot of consumer goods. Both of those are causing huge challenges for us, safety concerns in terms of fires we're seeing. So we're working with the battery manufacturers, but we're also, it's working, there's research being done, actually the government. This is where the government's a partner for us. The Department of Energy is doing research to help us look at how to better recycle these Okay, materials. so the response, is funny because remember mercury switches? Oh, yes, I do. Okay, so 
everybody knows mercury's heavy right. metal. It's bad, 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 bad. Okay. Mercury switches have almost been all but eliminated. Correct. Okay, because of its harmful effect. Correct. Now we've created a, the lithium battery, ion battery, and it's fascinating because it has a positive effect. Right. It's just we haven't finished this end of life. To how at the end of life of that, right. it does not have a negative impact on the environment. Right. And that is something that is being worked on by everyone from the battery manufacturers to the U.S. government, the Department of Energy. I know EPA is starting to pay attention to it um, and the recycling industry itself. ISRI is leading the charge to help to, to, to get the message out because of our recycling operation. Absolutely. It's so important to raise awareness also and to prevent them, some of those um, batteries from even entering into the recycling stream. They shouldn't be put in the bin in the first place. But it's interesting. Part of our job is also to look into the future in what may be entering the stream in future years that we can try to get ahead of it for our members. I was in a meeting yesterday, a National Association of Manufacturers meeting, and I sat down with my counterpart at the Unmanned Vehicle Association. Okay. Just think about drones. Yeah. At one point, drones are going to be entering our stream. And I what thought are the, of that. Yeah, what are the issues that we're going to face with that? And so we, what are the issues we're going to face? We're, with? we're figuring them out now. <laughs> Um, and hopefully we'll have some answers for you before you see it in your, in, in your recycling facility. I bought my brother a drone for Christmas. Did you really? Oh, yeah. He, you know, he lives out in Wyoming now on this 275-acre right. beautiful right. ranch. I go, you know what, Phil? I, Christmas Eve, I finally, now I know what to get my brother. I was, I was That's great. bummed. But, so I got him a drone. So drone recycling. Right. Think about that. And it's, it's Because there's a lot of components of a drone from plastic to electronics to, to lithium-ion batteries. Oh, boy. Yes. The solution for that is going to come from industry who yes. build because they realize this is great. Correct. Okay, so energy. Let, let, let's go back a little bit and get off the battery thing. But the energy savings that recycling from scrap metals to paper, what is the significant, what's the percentage of energy savings? It's very significant. Uh, depending upon the commodity, it can range from a 65% to a 95% savings um, when compared to the alternative, the virgin material. So aluminum is the highest, and I think it's around 95%. Plastic is 88%. Steel, I think, is around 68%. Paper, so, 64%, I think, or something like that. So, so there's significant very, energy. Absolutely. How come the public isn't hearing this from the manufacturer, like, like Nucor. Why aren't they talking about, why, why don't you ever see Nucor on a Super Bowl ad saying, we're producing new steel, the cheapest in the world, and we're saving 64, 68% energy? That's actually, it's an interesting question. I will tell you that here in Washington, as I know the steel industry and others are trying to influence policymakers, I actually see some of those ads like in the metro here. Okay. So they are trying to get the message out. Well, because the pizza box. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I love the pizza box. As I told I Leonard Zayed, I let, let off the podcast saying that's the biggest question going into the election of this next year, and he kind of laughed. But the pizza box in Moscow, Idaho, is not allowed in the waste stream right. or the recycle stream. Pardon me, not waste, recycle stream. Yet Pratt Industries and West Rock take uh, use the pizza boxes all day long, as long as they're clean, a food product, and any plastic grease liner or something like that inside it. So 
I don't hear Domino's, Pizza Hut, Papa John. Nobody's, they're all about sustainability, but their message doesn't say anything about sustainability. Why? It frustrates me. It frustrates me too. And one of the things that we're doing is partnering with other organizations like AFMPA to get those messages out because they are who is AFPA oh, the American American Forest and Paper <laughs> Association uh, we do a lot of uh, one of the things that uh, is important to Israel is collaboration um, we can't do very few organizations out there can do it alone every issue alone and you also don't want to be redundant and I don't want to waste Israel's as members money by doing something another organization's doing so the most effective way to leverage uh, is remembers dues and resources is by collaborating with other organizations. So you have the strength of multiple organizations working on issues. And this is one issue that we're going to be tackling together. Well, you know, and this is the message I want people who hear this. You know, when I was chairman, my biggest frustration was why doesn't the regular member know all of what we're doing? It's been a challenge. Now, look, it was 2011. We're to 2020. We're nine years after that. Right. And, and I'll tell you, there's good news and bad news there. The good news is we're getting better every day. The bad news is it's still a challenge. I remember, I'll predate you, back in 2002, I think it was, or 2001 when Cricket Williams was chair, we did a strategic planning, planning exercise where we went out to chapters around the country and we put together focus groups and said, please tell us the good, bad, and the ugly about Israel. The same message came out of every focus group which is they love what Israel does for them as long as they could figure out what Israel does for them, okay? <laughs> well, I think we've gotten better from there, but it's still a challenge that we deal with every day. And I welcome any one of your viewers who's listening to this right now, if they've got an idea of how we could do better, to let me know. Well, I, I, I think that's sound because, look, a lot of people don't know what we do, but I know one thing. When I was chairman, when the EPA came out and changed the definition of solid waste that, that included our commodities that would have been crippling we formed an amazing committee of the top industry brains and i wasn't on that committee i just want everybody to know i i I directed it because i knew i knew i wasn't smart enough but we replied and we won we did it's actually a great example of one of israel's greatest strengths which is that we are amazing at stopping bad things from happening and so yes we, what do we do now, Israel? We're fantastic at stopping bad things from happening. I want people to hear that because I think that is so important because they don't know. Most people don't yeah. know well, just that. Because it, it's, it's showing something that didn't happen. And, and that's, um, that's something we always struggle with. And we prevented um, something that would have burdened the industry with hundreds of millions of dollars of cost had the EPA designated scrap metal as hazardous waste. I think it would put a lot of us out of business because I think they would have shifted um, counties and and cities, municipalities throughout America would have been able to change who got to handle recyclables. And I think that that was so dangerous for our industry. And And we won. We did. And there's so many other victories like that that we've had over the years. Stopping export controls on the movement of copper out of the U.S., we won that. We stopped that from happening. We stopped federal metal theft legislation that was introduced several years in a row that would have added an entirely new layer of burdensome regulation on the industry. 
Um, so there's so many examples like that of things we've done, but they're all examples of things that didn't happen because Israel was there. We, we prevented the disaster, and it's like disaster right. prevention program. Right. <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to mark Israel preventing disasters to yes. our industry. Voice of the so, recycling industry, <laughs> comma, preventing disasters. Well, you know, my tagline always wanted to be, Israel takes the misery out of recycling. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> we could do that. I don't think it would go over very well. But All right, so, you know, Robin, we've known each other a lot of years, and it's and it. You know, we I, both I'm 12. I, yeah. you know, I'm like the choir, and I just want people who hear this to know, if you ever really wonder what Israel is doing, the fact that you're still in business right. is probably because of the efforts of Israel. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And when you say the efforts of Israel, it's not just the staff. It's the volunteer leaders like yourself who are so passionate about the industry, and it's all the members around the country who get involved on these issues and are helping working together to promote good policy, to raise issues when there are concerns, um, and to also get to know their policymakers, their local congressmen, so that when issues occur, we, have, we can use our voice to reach out. Do we have anything major concern right now that we're working on, that it's a major concern like DSW was? Yes. Who want- we are. It's that, re- it's that recycling is not broken. And that sounds like an odd message, but if anyone's been reading a newspaper the last couple of years or watching TV, there have been all of this uh, messaging out in the media, this inaccurate messaging that recycling is in crisis or recycling is broken because of the problems that um, that have happened at the residential level, the residential recycling, which represents well under 30% of the recycling infrastructure in the U.S., but because the blue bin at the end of the driveway is so visible, That is the visible part of the recycling industry. So that's what people think about when they think of recycling. So if all of a sudden in their local jurisdiction, a certain material can no longer be put in that bin, the fear is that recycling is broken or or there's a story about material going to a landfill that should have gone to recycling. That becomes the message that's happening globally, but it's not happening globally. You know, at the BIR, if you remember uh, in Budapest, we have thousands of members, and if each member would get out there and, and, and exalt the, the, the values of recycling and what our industry is right. doing, we can mute right. the five bloggers who are destroying our reputation and saying, oh, this is, because you got five, I mean, I, I use that five, but we Absolutely. have a louder voice than these people. We do, I mean, we're everywhere, which is great. Um, and we've done, I think as an industry, we've done a better job. I, I remember when I first started in Israel, um, we didn't have a marketing or communications effort because members really wanted us to be, un, wanted to be under the radar. But that's changed. There are companies like your own that are out there in social media spreading the message about recycling. But we need more of it. We absolutely need I, more I, of it. We, look, it's not hard to get out there and... and give your man you know ed kangater at cass okay for years he wanted to be under the radar well he makes an ingot with his which is aluminum free right. he doesn't use a uh, i mean excuse me aluminum free that's crazy chlorine free right okay so it's chlorine free aluminum well that's huge for the environment Absolutely. huge for the safety of his employees Absolutely. huge for the safety of his neighbors and he's finally decided he's getting that message out and it's only helped him it's Right, and because we're such a unique industry, 
our industry is good for the environment, it's good for the economy, and it's also a profitable business when run responsibly. And I think that really makes us very unique, and we need to be talking about all of those various elements of the industry. Speaking of which, do we ever find out how many millions of dollars a year of equipment's being purchased in the recycling industry? Do we ever do we ever come up with that number? I know it's did. a hard number because when you take MRFs and you take scrap metal operations and paper recyclers and all the recycling, how many millions of dollars a year are we? It's, you, it's a great question because we, uh, you may remember, we did this probably about 10 years ago. And so that number is way out of date. I don't even remember I think it's the billions numbers. of dollars it's a year. It's got to be billions because... Um, we, as you know, again, better than uh, most other folks because you operate a, and run a company that is selling equipment into the industry, there are millions and billions of dollars being invested in the industry right now on new equipment to upgrade material to increase the quality of the product that's being produced by the industry. And I mean, with the, ours, uh, after the convention, our exhibit hall is sold out already and it's been sold out for several weeks. There is so much demand uh, for information about the latest trends and equipment and people who want to see it, touch it, feel it, and buy that equipment. You know, there's so many, well, that's a great segue. Let's talk about the convention 2020 in Las Vegas. Sure. Uh, how many exhibitors will we have at? Uh, um, actually, I've got the number here and I, don't, I didn't remember it. 257, that's the number? Higher? I got it written down. Sorry, you're going to have to go back and ask the question again. That's okay. Uh, actually, no, I don't have the number. I didn't write it down. How, I know it's more than 275. Okay, nearly 300. Thank so you. how many exhibitors do we have, Robin? We That's have it. more than 275 exhibitors over more than 300,000 square feet of exhibit space. We're sold out. We've yeah. been sold out pretty much every year. We have been. We need to expand. Because we are, uh, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, we are the, um, the largest convention and trade show for the scrap recycling industry worldwide. We have more than 5,000 recyclers from around the world that come to our convention every year. It's a great opportunity. I think this year at Vegas, we're going to see the biggest attendance we've had in, in, in quite a few years. We're already ahead of schedule. We're, we're excited about it. What are we anticipating for... Uh, for Vegas, over 5,000? Yeah, over 5,000. That's fantastic. And I think it's very informational. Our keynote speaker is Gary, well, they call him Gary V. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Very interesting guy. He's, yes. uh, you know, we when I was chairman, we had Stanley McChrystal the first year. Who, who was terrific. A, I who was a general who was in command of uh, forces uh, in the Middle East, uh, who was all intents and purposes, fired by President Obama. Right. But what a fascinating story. And to the man, he had no ill will towards President Obama. No. He, he know he yeah. screwed up. Right. We had George W. Bush. We've had his father. We've had Hillary Clinton. We've had Bill Clinton. But we don't have any politicals coming. We have more, I think, in my opinion, these people will bring great value, take-home value to exactly. the people who attend. We want members, non-members, whoever attends the convention to walk away feeling like this was money well invested, that they learned something, there's take home, they're going to make their company stronger as a result of coming to the convention. And one of the things that we're doing this year is adding more thought leadership throughout our training, our, our workshops throughout the convention. So doing workshops on the effect of 3D printing on the recycling stream. Uh, we're doing programming on blockchain. 
on robotics in the industry. So we're really, uh, what the effect of um, autonomous vehicles will be on the industry, both in terms of operations, but in terms of the stream as well. So we're really trying to help members plan for the future. I th it's fantastic. Well, listen, I, I people who don't go to Israel Convention, to me, miss out. The people I have met, the business, from selling scrap to selling equipment to the networking, the, the right. trade of information with a friend who may have nothing to do with trading metals, and right. but you can trade information. The value of it, is, to me, it's crazy people don't, oh, well, it's too expensive. No, it isn't. It's the cheapest investment you can make because if you don't walk out of ISRI right. convention with, without new knowledge, new friendships, new connections, new networking, then you didn't show up. And I would invite anyone who's listening to this, if they're uncertain about the convention and they're, uh, because it's so big, maybe they're concerned that they won't meet the right people or they won't know how to navigate the convention, give me a call, send me an email. Your phone's gonna blow up again, I Robin. Robin, you've invited thousands of people to call you. You're gonna, I look forward to it. You're gonna That's go, Marianne, <laughs> put them on hold. That's the best part of the job. I love it. All right, so, let's, so let's wrap up here. You know, we could talk for another hour. Yes. We really could. So will you come on again at a later time? I'd love to. I'd I think this to. is important because I think your leadership and telling people what this fantastic trade association does for right. our industry, I don't think we can get it done in, in one podcast. I sure. really don't be because Robin really, it's amazing all the different things. So, all right. So when, when I was chairman, we got a funny story and, and yes. I, we traveled the world. We did. But you got a funny story that you want to tell about when we left, when we went to, was it Munich? We were leaving Santa Barbara, which was the board meeting where the definition of solid waste issue right. came up. And uh, we were, it just so happens that the Bureau of International Recycling's uh, fall meeting was the immediately following ours. So we had to jump on a plane from our board meeting to go to their meeting. And so we had already spent five very intense days together, working till midnight every night on this issue, um, and then got in a car, just the two of us, to take a two-hour drive right. to LAX. We reach LAX, we're both exhausted, and know that we have, what, a 10-hour plane ride in yeah, front of us? Yeah, 10 and a half hour, yeah. We're checking in, um, and the gate agent looks at us, and, or the ticket agent says, do you guys want to sit next to each other? <laughs> the two of us, neither one wanted to say, hell no. <laughs> But I remember your face. You looked at me. No, no, no we're not going to do it. We're not, we need because a ten-hour break. Sleep. I mean, I don't right. want you to see me sleep. Yeah, I don't want the drool from when as I'm sleeping or my snoring. Um, so yes, that was uh, was embarrassing and funny all the same. But you time. know, we, those we had a lot of great times, and you know, that's another thing I want people to know. When you get involved with Israel, you're going to have the great. I, I had. I, and I've had, and I still have, the best time when I come to history events. And you've um, asked me before, one of the questions you may have sent me was, um, what's the best part of being president of Israel? And the best part are the people. And I know that sounds really cliche and corny, but it really is true. Getting to know everyone, getting to know you and all the members of Israel, is a phenomenal experience. And it's, I will never forget something that Shelley Padnos told me in like 92 or 93. I wasn't president of Israel yet. I was doing the environmental compliance work. I was at a board meeting and I was getting to know Shelley. Later she became chair several years later. 
But I asked her about the industry. To I was still getting to know the industry, and she said, Robin, the best part of the industry, the best way to understand the industry is I could be driving through the middle of the country, she's from Michigan, and I'm in the middle of the country, it's late at night, and I run out of gas, and I need place to stay, and there are no hotels nearby. I pull out my ISRI directory, and I look for the closest member, and I call them up. And I say, I'm an ISRI member, and I need help. And they're going to be there in a minute. Well, you know, I got a great show. It is true. The, the ISRI member, the, everybody's always so welcoming. When right. I traveled as ISRI chair, everybody was welcoming. They were excited. Um, but it is a brotherhood, you know. And sisterhood. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, people kind, not mankind. Oh, my goodness. Come on. <laughs> but uh, funny Shelly story for me right. is I was, I was a board member of the South – uh, the Southern California chapter at the time. And um, so somehow George Adams and Dave Williams convinced me I need to be president having because nobody was going to do it. So, oh, okay. So I go to my first meeting. We're in Toronto, Canada. And I don't know the first thing to do is prep what meeting. So I go to the chapter president's meeting. Okay, well, I know I need to go there. And Shelly was president, not chairman at the time. Remember, we changed the name. So she was president. She came in. I remember that meeting. And she proceeded to chew out the chapter presidents for not doing their job, for not attending meetings, the whole thing. And all the while, she looked at me. I went. I don't think that was intentional. No, but the great thing about that was, is I went, okay, message received. And I understood what to do. And later I would become friends with Shelly. And I have so much respect for her. Because what a brain, what a brilliant, absolutely brilliant woman, and 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 a lot of fun too. And yeah. so, you know, I remember that. And you know, Shelly impact on what I did as, as as chairman because she she opened my eyes to the fact that when you're a chapter president, you got to attend, you got to pay attention because right. you're the messenger back to the chapter. Right. So there's a lot of great things. Well, listen, yeah. Robin, like I said, we could go on for a long time. Oh. There's the bell. Um, <laughs> They're already calling. Yeah, see, they probably are. It hasn't even been, somebody's hacked us. Right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for spending the time with me this My morning pleasure. and going over this. This has been a lot of fun, very informational. I think people are really going to enjoy this. Thank you so much. You're doing an amazing job. Everybody at ISRI, the staff. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been, um, as you know, I was a little nervous. <laughs> You didn't look nervous during this podcast. But this has been great. It's been a great conversation. So thank you very, very much. And thank you for your leadership. Well, thank you. So that's it. That's another pile of scrap. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.